It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. You know, there's a debate raging across America, but is it the right debate? It's the debate about schools, our children, should schools be open, to what extent, in what manner. And it's just a debate. In some states, we've seen, you know, actions, reasonable actions taken in some locality school districts. There's a disparity between what happens, call it writ large, in the public school system versus the private school system in this country. Private, in large part, open. Public, for the most part, closed. Union components, teachers pro and con, lots of fights, a raging debate. Do we need the raging debate? Or do we need solutions? I think the answer to that is obvious. Too much time and energy wasted in the media, on social media, airwaves, and legislatures, rather than the effort in the communities. That is the viewpoint of Pastor Matthew Barnett of LA's Dream Center, who joins me now, and as the pastor writes... In a recent article, the shallow debates that I watch unfold on television and then soon after on social media are not discussions struggling families need right now. They don't need people with power and platforms to focus their energy on each other. They need them to focus their energy on finding common sense solutions to the economic barriers that prohibit them from affording a roof over their head or putting meals on the table. This is a much wider debate than just going to schools. And these families in that situation face an issue, technology issues, time, a big factor. And we have a generation of students, or it's certainly at least a semester or two or more now of students who are losing ground, which then affects their futures, possibly even to great detriment. So let's talk this through, see if there is a path forward. Pastor Barnett, uh, great to have you on the show, sir. Oh, it's so great to be with you. Thank you. Uh, Well, you know, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Well, you know, know, I've been pastoring here for 27 years. You know, if you imagine a big old hospital that sits on the Hollywood freeway, we have 700 people that live in our building every day that are homeless, that are people in drug addiction. One month, we had 40 people sentenced here for one month, for one year, instead of 10 years in the prison system. And um, and so during this pandemic, when it broke out, we were supposed to be the first ones not to make it through this, as 40% of the businesses have been shut down in our neighborhood. So we just just started to serve people and just give away bags of food and open up an outdoor school for the kids since March. No kid has been back to school since March of last year. And seeing people face-to-face every day, feeding them um, in the food line, in the drive-thru, 4,000 meals a day, seven days a week, you get a perspective of how life is beginning to change people. The countenance is starting to change as they go through the line. Their cars are getting older. People are living in their cars. Mothers, like crazy, are living in their cars. And, um, and that's like the new shanty towns of America uh, where people are living. 
And as you look around, I think we're also living in a big hope um, crisis where kids are growing up and the news every day is, is you can't do this, you can't do that. Um, you know, kind of bad news everywhere. And I think we just, it's not just a, an issue of wealth and economic problem. There's also a crisis of spirit. And uh, that, that's why I think on the food line, all that we do here at the Dream Center is providing this outdoor school for these children and the tablets is that they're giving just given a lot of promises like every kid will get a tablet well that's not true kids come here don't have tablets and 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 all this stuff that's going on and it just really kind of frustrated me to the point of where i said you know using people as as pawns in the political game for various different reasons is it, just so destructive and i think you see it play out on a day-by-day basis to the point where it's just going to be up to you know private citizens standing up and helping their neighbor and putting themselves in someone else's world and making a difference. We have 250 families trying to get housing right now on our, on our roster. We opened up 70 more um, beds on one of our hospital floors for homeless families. We now have 295 beds for homeless families, and we, we're not even close to even meeting that number. So it's just an unbelievable crisis. I think there's a sense of so much fear that's become so prevalent in people's spirit to where they're just kind of walking around almost like zombies in the middle of the city, afraid to live, afraid to achieve. We're just trying to break through that barrier by having a different spirit in the community and, and serving and taking risk oftentimes for people too. And I think when you, when you sign up to be used of God to do this type of work, you sign up for that, for risk, for stepping out, helping someone else and lay it on the line for others. But see, a part of this is people are not being allowed, and I know you see this, so I want to get the the on-the-ground view, if you will, from you. People are not being allowed to make decisions. You know, I'll be fair and say, say that there are bad, you know, people who make ill-informed, outright bad decisions at times, and that's just a part of life, no matter what it is, no matter the circumstance, pandemic or not. But the majority of the people will at least either get it right or have some guidance to get it more right. On the ground, when you see this, you know, the results of the pandemic, the shutdown, the orders, the, 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 the lack of I don't know, clarity or even adaptability as we learn more about COVID-19. What do you see in the halls of the church, on the hospital floor or right outside on the sidewalk? You know, every day I drive to work, I see people literally stripping their clothes off in the middle of the street, addicted to drugs. Um, I've never seen this before. It's like every day I have to dodge people um, coming here in traffic, um, just just on Glendale and uh, coming in here just to get around people that are losing it in drugs and addiction. Um, We have kids experimenting with things they've never experimented before. The other day in church, um, while everyone was bowing their head and closing their eyes, I asked asked people, I said, how many of you young people felt like committing suicide in the last month? Raise their hand. And I looked around the auditorium and and teenagers were raising their hands everywhere. It totally shocked me to see that kind of response. And, uh, but in the, you know, in the midst of it, that's what I think that's why at the dream center is thousands of people are driving through our food line every day. We're ringing the bell. We're creating a lot of noise, trying to create a party every day. Cause it's more than just what we're trying to accomplish by feeding. It's trying to lift the spirits of people. People are so downcast because of the lack of adaptability, people get entrenched into their codes and their tier systems and their colors and all that of how they're going to do stuff that I think they, they don't want to admit that adaptability is a good thing. It's a positive thing. It means you're learning, you're growing, you're trying to meet one need while you're taking care of another need, while you're aware of the virus, as we all are working every day with our gloves on and masks and all that. 
but you're still creating pathways by which people could live life. And right now you're seeing one extreme and not the other. And I think years down the road, we're going to see the effect of this sadly, and it's going to be brutal on what it's going to do to people long-term. And, and, and fear just doesn't go away after you create a culture of it for over a year. And that's what I'm afraid of what's going to happen to a lot of people and the ongoing trauma that they experience because of the lack of, you said it perfect, adaptability and the ability to meet one need and meet the other and move forward with that flexibility. But sometimes I think politics gets you into a, a place where you feel like, well, this has been our system. If we change it, we're going to get criticized. No, if you change it and are adaptable, I think people will be you know, praised for it because we understand that all that there's so many moving um, components to this. And that's what we experience on a daily basis. You know, I, I really, really liked your article and I, I went through it a couple of times to look at things that caught my, my eye, if you will. Uh, you know, and you've talked about it in part, in part, when you talk about the adults engaging in a schoolyard drama, uh, the people who find themselves, in my opinion, self-important because their opinion is necessary, don't often talk to the people who might be walking into your church. They say they represent them, and they sometimes prop someone up. But have you had a local official, a state official, a congressman or woman, or senators show up and, and come there? You have a large operation in one of America's largest cities. Have you had anyone show up of any, quote, government level that says, hey, what do I see here and what do you need? We've had our local councilmen, but we've never had anybody on the level of our governor or mayor um, that, that showed up here. Uh, one, one of the reasons why I think is, is they have a certain way about they want to do things. They want to feed people in a certain way. They want to house people in a certain way. Um, and so their plans, I think, oftentimes um, take center stage to a lot of great works that are going on in our local communities. A lot of people that have been in our neighborhoods for years they're stepping out. I mean, the sleeping giant called the church, which, which has the largest volunteer base in the world, is starting to be mobilized. The pandemic has forced us to understand that church isn't just a Sunday morning experience, but it's a Monday through Saturday. They're awakening to it. Something amazing is happening. They're filling the gap. They're creating outdoor learning centers for children that can't go to school. And so I think when government gets lumped into this is the way we're going to solve the problem, we're going to buy up all these hotels for millions of dollars, like we're going to buy a $60 million hotel for 30 units. Well, there's churches that have housing and property that can do it for virtually nothing. And so I think one of the things that we fail to understand is that there are millions of different ways to solve problems. But I think when things become so political – um, everything becomes about the things that you're spending money on and the recognition that goes along with that rather than really locating these grassroots thing, organizations and just champion the ones that are already doing it. You know, not the ones that said, if we get more funding from the federal government, then we will do all these things instead of why not get behind people that have given their lives in decades to service in the community and support them. And so, um, you know, we, we house 700 people a day. It's $12 million a year to operate this place. None of it is government funded. Then my dad and I going to churches across America. And, and that gives us flexibility to do a lot of things we want to do as far as the faith component of our programs. But boy, there is a wonderful opportunity for a grassroots organization like these churches to rise up. But yeah, I mean, but I think also there is this huge disconnect. I mean, people spent three hours 
just handing out food and listening to people's story on our food line. I think your whole perspective of the pandemic will change because every, every car is coming by, I lost my job. Every third car is coming by. And the kids used to look at me and say, hey, hey Pastor Barnett, we're going back to school next month. I said, really? And then they come back to the food line again. And they're like, we're going back to school next month. And now, sadly, later in the year, they drive by and then they say things like, I'm sorry, almost touches my heart. makes me want to cry saying this. But then they come by and they say, we're never going back to school, are we? And I said, well, you can go to our school over here. It's open. And so to see the sadness and the progression and the hopes diminish and the kids feeling like you know they're not going to have anything left has is, is really been an ongoing battle that we have tried to keep our spirits up for the sake of their spirits being down. My guest, Pastor Matthew Barnett, founder of LA's Dream Center. Uh, you know, you talk about the kids. Uh, do you hear... You know, from that, again, that underground view, those, those hundreds every day from not just the parents, but teachers, those in the education system. Do you, you know, what's your what's your input for the audience on on teachers and educators, uh, if you have any? Well, I, th- I think a lot of teachers want to come back. I really do. I think they're trapped in a system that they can't really fight. But most of the ones that um, I know want to get back to school. In fact, they're out here teaching with us on their own time, uh, serving with the kids. And, and um, I just, you know, I have pre-existing conditions. Um, I've had blood clots in my lungs, almost took my life, pulmonary embolism. But I'm out there serving every single day. And um, I probably put food in 40,000 cars during this time. And I feel like it's an honor to do that. And, and, I, and I, I do feel there is a sense of safety and concern, obviously, but there is a sense of why we do the things we do, why we're called to do the things, why we sign up to do different things. And a lot of that is to be memorable, to do things, you know, to be a voice in the middle of a time where kids don't have a voice. So, yes, there's risk on every level and, and, and all of life, but these are the chances to really shape lives, to save kids from suicide, to prevent, to be there. So I would encourage them to just say, look beyond just what they would say, what the science is, which appears to be changing every day. But, uh, but uh, look beyond that and say, how in the world can I you know, make myself available and, and do my part and use my voice to speak to these kids? Because honestly, they're, they're dying everywhere. And I get more of it than anybody because we're taking in the 18, 19-year-old kids every day who develop meth addictions, where our phones are ringing off the hook. Can you take my kid in? And our program is not for kids under 18, but, you know, it took a 17-year-old just because they're so desperate on their deathbed, right? I mean, so there's, they, they just, if they understood how deep the need really is, I believe these wonderful teachers would be jumping back in immediately and saying, I'm ready to go. A, a question about that perspective, which, you know, was not, at least until you just mentioned it, going to be a part of this interview. But when you talk about the growth and addiction for the younger generation and that 17-year-old, overall, uh, where are these kids coming from? Is it, you know, middle income, low income? Are they, are you seeing parents come in and their children come in or, you know, what is it? I'm seeing most of the drug addiction come from pretty much all different levels, and a lot of it's coming from being trapped in their homes, uh, finding drugs through the dark web, learning how to buy things uh, through there that uh, they're very savvy, um, that they don't have to meet a drug dealer down the street. The drug dealer can bring it right to their door. Um, So kids are finding a lot of ways to get trapped into this dark web during this time. They're finding a way to 
to be on class on one computer and be doing something in another computer. I mean, there's just a lot of different avenues that have been wide open now as kids are away from the classroom and they're at home and, and all they have is the world to explore at their fingertips. And so that's become a really big, dangerous component of a new level of addiction that we've seen uh, that we've never been uh, that we've never quite seen at this level before. Yeah, a tragic situation that requires real leadership. Uh, you demonstrate that at the Dream Center. And uh, I, I've seen the numbers on your operation. You help, what, 80,000-plus people a month uh, for years. That's, that's a significantly successful effort. We need more like it. Pastor Barnett, thank you. Well, thank you. What a joy to be with you. I've always appreciated watching you over the years. It's a great honor. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, their website, uh, and if you can help, uh, you can go to uh, Pastor Barnett's website to learn more, MatthewBarnett.com, and the Dream Center, easy to find, L.A. Dream Center. Uh, but yeah, we need more of this around the world, DreamCenter.org. You can join me live on The David Webb Show, Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east, on Sirius XM Patriot 125.